Landlocked in the Horn of Africa, the Federal Democratic Republic of Ethiopia is home to many historical and archaeological artifacts. The first identified hominid skeleton, Lucy, was found in Ethiopia and can be seen in the historical museum in the capital city of Addis Ababa. It is the only African country to have never been under colonial control and boasts the origin of a cup of coffee. I spoke with my friend Mary Amawit, who I met through a human rights committee of Model United Nations. She was very informative about the current events and conflicts happening in Ethiopia and shared that the country still faces challenges against social issues and human rights and doesn't have complete freedom of speech. We spoke about her favorite dishes and the different types of bread and butter in Ethiopia. However, she shared that you don't butter your bread. She explained that food is always supposed to be eaten together and she gave her perspective on different types of youth and how younger generations and their beliefs can be influenced from their families. There's two types of young people. There's the young people who are like completely uninterested in anything political. They pretend it's not there, they don't care, they don't listen, they don't do anything about it. And then there's the young people who believe whatever their parents believe. So if their parents believe this is right, they're with their parents. No one chooses to educate themselves anymore because like in Ethiopia, like the sense of family and like religion dominates everything. Like, oh, you're Christian, so you should believe this. Oh, you're, come on, you're part of this race, you're part of this family, so you have to support this side. It could be wrong, but it's okay. You have to support this side nonetheless because this is your family. Hello everybody, you are listening to Evan Worldwide. On this podcast, I'm going to take you on a journey around the world. You will hear young people's perspectives on culture, conflict, and cuisine. So let's go. So I'm Meremut. I'm from Ethiopia and I'm 16. I've lived in Ethiopia for like the first seven years of my life, but then my parents make sure to integrate as much of my culture in my life as possible. So I'm pretty aware about my Ethiopian side, even though I've lived in Qatar for more than half of my life. Would you say that there's a lot of conflict in Ethiopia? Currently, yes. Normally there would there would be like little conflicts like here and there, but more than usual since like 2020, it's been a bit more conflicty. <laughs> what parts of 2020 has made Ethiopia very conflicty? <laughs> So since like November 2020, there's like regions in the country, like, like, you know how there's like states in America, but Mm -hmm. Ethiopia is like a small country, so you can't have a big state. So one of the states, they have a terrorist group called TPLF, and basically they wanted to run the country, and obviously that's not okay. And when they started rebelling and everything, that's when the conflict started, and then the different states started fighting each other, going into each other's regions, and that's when the conflict started but normally there's just like kind of like internalized racism but not like actual full-on like physical conflict but this actually like November 2020 that's when the conflict started. Oh okay so then it started because of the terrorist group in Ethiopia and basically they're terrorizing the country? Pretty much. Okay what actions are they doing that makes it so bad um so this can be triggering but the main fighting is between the bigger like regions like terrorist one and there's another big region and the terrorists region they're taking it out on the bigger region the other the population of the other bigger region i know it sounds funny but like the small things they do is like they arrest you or kidnap you and sometimes it can lead to like 
rape for murder and it can reach to that like huge degree because people are like have gotten extreme like then this reach is like reached the point like beyond common sense and conversation like it has to be like aggressive to like win e- either side wow that's crazy and are these regions like homes to the biggest cities? Like is Addis Ababa in like one of those regions? So the capital city, Addis Ababa, is not a region. It's just, it's like a combination of every race. Like everyone comes here for like a better life. So it's not its own region or race. The regions are outside of that. Like they have races that's not that. So it's like, oh. it's not Adetel. Adetel is like a mixture of races. It's not its own race. So the big ones are the Oromo region and then the Amhara region and the Tigray region. Okay. It's funny, you were talking about different races. So are these like different ethnic groups that are in Ethiopia? Funnily, no. like each like each race has vast ranges of like skin color so that's not the issue it's just these races have been like together like culturally there's all three of them are quite different they've Mm. been together for a very long time they've been run by separate governments for a very long time like we were like unified like into one government like recently so that's why it's very different between the three okay okay and that creates conflicts because people aren't willing to be governed under one if that makes any sense race wants to be the best so it's interesting that you talk about how there are multiple different races in in ethiopia but then you said that there wasn't really any racism behind it so then it's funny because my next question was going to be what social issues are most prevalent in Ethiopia? Like racism, sexism, or even homophobia? Okay, so first of all, homophobia, let's start with that. Because that's like so scary here that it's not even a problem. Like you will get killed for being anything but straight. So no one's ever tried to rebel out of that like norm. There's no protest, no nothing. Because if a citizen killed you for it, the, the government wouldn't take any action against that citizen. So everyone just has learned to just not push that boundary and it's like a silent not even talked about wow that's so scary it's it's insane to think about wild that's crazy and then and then what about sexism do women feel discriminated in ethiopia um the way i see it it's not like women can't these jobs women don't get paid equal to men it's not like the same as the international issues it's more or less like these daily like microaggressions oh you're a woman so i'll charge you more for this because you don't know for about this kind you're like not as educated and most times the funny thing like they will pass like if you're going to like a car shop to get your car repaired they'll overcharge you or like extremely aggressive so that they can get their way with you like you will in the end you will have a worst experience at that place where men feel they're better but if you want to get a job if you want to anything like other than that you're okay so all right that's so interesting and do women want to speak up about how they're not getting as good experiences as men in like stores or in the everyday life no that's like so funny to me like that's what i don't understand everyone has been like in so used to this routine like my mom like a while back her car was hit and then she there was a man who hit her and then she didn't like do anything she literally just called my dad and then when he came suddenly the man was very respectful very like oh i want a solution and then another time the same thing happened then she had to call my uncle and then immediately they become respectful that's like wow that's the funny thing that is kind of funny also bad at the same time at least if you have a brother you're fine i i I feel like women shouldn't be depending on men in situations yeah so they want a way out that just has the least amount of 
conflict and war. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm just curious, do young people in Ethiopia still believe that these conflicts are valid or like, is there a shift in perspective? As far as I've seen it so far, there's two types of young people. There's the young people who are like completely uninterested in anything political. They pretend it's not there. They don't care. They don't listen. They don't do anything about it. And then there's the young people who believe whatever their parents believe. So if their parents believe this is right, they're with their parents. No one chooses to educate themselves anymore because like in Ethiopia, like the sense of family and like religion dominates everything. Like, oh, you're Christian, so you should believe this. Oh, you're, come on, you're part of this race, you're part of this family, so you have to support this side. It could be wrong, but it's okay. You have to support this side nonetheless because this is your family. Oh, okay. So does that mean that Ethiopia is, or is the country like very family oriented? Yeah, that's, 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 I think that comes like as a benefit, like win and lose because family is like very important and everyone will show up for you. Everyone cares about you. Everyone will say and keep in touch with you when you feel loved, but then also these things you cannot defend the other side like being the devil's advocate will make you the devil like no one will want to listen to you you have to stick to your family no matter what that's crazy so then let's just make a scenario that you're you're lgbt would your family still love you no or like yeah i will say that for a fact because ethiopia no matter what you are you are some religion first of all okay and i'm pretty sure it's like a worldwide known thing like no religion generally accepts it so that itself will get you like shunned and if it's not that it's still you're not gonna be because it's yeah. like taboo no one even, even like the government like i've said like will not defend you that's that's very scary do you keep up with politics and government in ethiopia yes so most times there will be like news broadcasts in the country. So I'll watch the YouTube broadcast of it and it gives you like the gist of it, like what's happening. And it's like every day, just 10 minutes, tune in. And I watch those, but then to get like a full clear picture, I will watch the CNN, BBC, and I, I can compare the two and see, okay, well, this is not really okay because the news broadcasts from Ethiopia, they're not really news. They like get into like, they have people there. They have People, they interview people from this side, they interview from this side, and then you'll get the actual clear picture because you're seeing what the people are saying. But then CNN and BBC, they're like rewording everything and changing everything into what they want it to be. So I can see some facts, I can see some the other one. Okay. So then knowing this, would you say that there's censorship in Ethiopia? Is it more censorship from CNN and BBC? Censorship. So in Ethiopia, it's not censorship. There used to be a channel called ESAP, which was censored because it was like too honest and too revealing about the government. But then since our new president who tries to be transparent and everything, they became unbanned and everything, full transparency between the government and the public, like as far as I know. And CNN is not censorship. I think it's just like blindness. Like they choose not to see. Like mm. um, obviously like America is always on the iffy side like of all of these things. And they do cause a lot of trouble in many countries, many minority countries. America chose the side of the Tigray, CNN, BBC, like the whole Western world decided to shift to that perspective. So I don't think it's censorship. I think it's just biased journalism. Okay. And, you know, it's interesting. You were talking about how like CNN and BBC, like Western media took side to the the Tigray, is it? Yeah, yeah. 
so is that that's one of the three regions that you were talking about in the beginning that like has all the conflict that's the terrorist region that's where the terrorists are from so it's very funny to see like how the westerns decided to pick the terrorist region out of all of them yes they are suffering because like most of the government is not made out of the tigray region the government is not made up of many of those like so if the army is acting they're acting against the tigray region and i can see how they would see that as wrong but the the entire terrorist group is a tigray region and then they choose to shield themselves by getting into the population so you can, they won't walk around with like a terrorist badge on their chest so you have to you have to get into violent ways to get the people i'm not saying it's right but like there's no way of avoiding it and then america choosing to side with the tigris i don't get that okay um yeah that's very interesting so then tigray that's the terrorist group so tigray itself is not a terrorist group they have a group like controlling tigray yeah that is a terrorist group the group, the group is like it's called tplf they're their own terrorist group that choose to take money from the government like they were in the government but then because they were taking money doing bad things with their position they were removed from the government that's why like the group the like now government doesn't consist of many tigray people there's no other terrorist groups in the country it's literally just them okay okay and are they on the western part of ethiopia eastern part so tigray is like on the northern part it's like the dry okay. Deserty part of the country. So is that closer to like the northern part of Somalia? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, okay. no, no. Or Eritrea, Eritrea. Yeah. Do they have members that are coming from Eritrea or is it are they all Ethiopian? The see the thing is Ethiopia has peace with Eritrea. Like I don't know if you saw it on the news, but a leader, an Eritrean leader, decided to end the like war that was been going on for ages and just become friends again. When that happened, like peace has existed and Ethiopia's leader is not Tigray so if Eritreans like the Ethiopian leader he's not Tigray so they will not be on the side of the Tigrays gotcha Eritreans can pick whatever side they want most of them have like genetic connections to Tigray so some of them will be biased but I don't think they they're sided or anything all right that is interesting to think about how when politicians were able to make agreements, at least to end war, there was peace yeah. that was created between the countries. I think that's, I think that's just super cool to think about. And it's and like, it happened so quick. that was like the interesting part. That was like, it was so quick. It, it, it took like maybe like four months to end like a 20 year war. Oh my God. Yeah. Man, we need to take notes here in the US. Yeah. <laughs> we got a prize for it. We got a Nobel Peace Prize for it. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. good for you guys. Do you have any friends from different countries or have you met a lot of people from different countries? And I go to an international school. Our secondary school has 72 different nationalities in it. So I come across different countries like on the regular. Wow, that's amazing. And when you meet all these people, are they mostly from like the Middle East considering that you live in Qatar or like are they also from Europe and Africa or like all over? Um, North Africans or um, South Asians, that's like the most of them. But then like my close friends themselves they're from like Colombia, Ghana, Algeria, Libya, like they're all over. Wow, that's really cool. So like you're saying your friends are from all over. Do you see like similarities or differences between you guys ideologically or even culturally? What I've noticed is because we've all been in like a diverse school and like a diverse country for so long, we've been more open-minded to different cultures, open-minded to more religions. And of course we will like keep our beliefs and we'll prioritize that, but we have learned to like respect each other. And what I've noticed is like people who are from countries that are like not as like wealthy, because I don't want to use like third world countries. 
Um, so if I've noticed they're more active in like political stuff, they're more aware, they're more like they try to inform themselves more but then my friends from wealthier countries like the UK and stuff, they choose to, for like a lack of a better term, just careless. They don't, they don't involve themselves. They don't, they just choose to not be involved because it doesn't really affect them most of the time. I get that. So basically the people from countries that are not as wealthy, they, they're more of the activists or like people that are trying to raise awareness, but then like the richer countries, they're like, try to stay out of it. Exactly. That is interesting, you know, because given that families from wealthier countries tend to have like a lot of money, they don't want to seem and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. They don't want to seem like, oh, I'm not different from you. I, I don't know. It's still kind of weird to think about. Exactly. They could have a bigger impact, but they choose to stay silent. Exactly. Do you see young people advocating for peace and less conflict in Ethiopia? I mean, I know you don't live there anymore, but I mean, every time you visit or even when you were living there, did you see like people protesting out in the streets? So like I've said, um, it's pretty dangerous to say anything at this moment because you'll get kidnapped, like killed. Like it's pretty dangerous to be spoken. So inside the country, all you're going to see is just like, oh, yay, we beat this side. Oh, yay, we beat this side. Like, that's all you're going to say. But then Ethiopians from outside of Ethiopia, like like me, like diasporas of Ethiopia, like if you see in the United States or in England, like everywhere, you'll see Ethiopians like protesting, acting like, please stay out. Like, for example, a recent one I've seen in America is to tell the U.S. government to stay out of Ethiopia, just let Ethiopia handle it, because it's not like military war at this moment, because it's just like people on people war. So the protests I've seen so far is just like stay out of the country and just keep peace. Those kind of protests are from outside Ethiopia. But then the ones inside Ethiopia are normally just get out of our region. Like that, that's the kind of protests you'd see inside the country. Okay. So that is pretty sad that you're not able to protest. There's not really any freedom of speech, at least from the government, because if you protest, then you're not getting out of there. That's pretty unfortunate. What about, let's say something as like Black Lives Matter. There weren't any protests for Black Lives Matter. Ethiopia is an African country, you know? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, Ethiopia was not involved in the slave trade. First of all, like it's never been colonized. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not really like involved with Western countries. Like, so Ethiopia has never been targeted like this. And then also in Ethiopia, there's a vast like difference in skin color. So like my dad himself, like he's a dark skin. And then my mom's like, she can white pass. Let me say that. Yeah, it's like everyone's super different. So like skin color does not matter in this country. It's not something that people fight about. So Black Lives Matter is a pretty Western thing to do. If like the country itself has no problem with it, obviously they're not going to do anything. They're not going to protest. They're not going to say anything. So Black Lives Matter, that movement, not in Ethiopia. Oh, wow. I mean, good for you guys for being like so accepting to like different skin colors and people of different backgrounds. Um, Okay, so last question, uh, like about the peace and conflict. How can young people help spread awareness to advocate for peace in Ethiopia? So inside Ethiopia, if you want to physically get out and do something, personally, I would not recommend it. It is dangerous. It is risky. You're risking your life. Like even people who are not doing anything get kidnapped. So I would not recommend doing anything like physically, but then on social media, 
I think that's a safe bet because at this point, like pretty much everyone has access to social media. The young, the old, like everyone. So if you're a young person who has access to social media, like just post about it. Say like, let's not do this. Like spread the word. Try to get people to talk about it instead of just like fight. Like I want to win, I want to win. Just like start a conversation on social media. Do not do it in real life because that's dangerous. That's risky. So that's my advice but I, I don't live here so it's interesting a lot of people that I've interviewed have said that social media is such a great way to spread awareness however I think it would be interesting to see like some actual results if we were you know posting things about conflict on social media and then there was a result of like peace at the end like because of it I don't feel like that there ever has ever been like a result of peace because of social media. So I guess yeah. I don't know if we're supposed to keep trying or not, but yeah, th- that's because what everyone like, else has been saying. Yeah, in Ethiopia, freedom of speech does not exist. Like you don't have the right to say whatever you want. You you can't. So you don't have freedom of speech. So protesting is not an option. Like in America, you do kind of have the right to have freedom of speech. But here you do not. So you just better choose the safe bet and like not say anything. But on social media, the moment I landed here, my whole TikTok for you page changed into Ethiopian TikToks and stuff like that. So if I'm here for like two seconds and it's already like on my phone, if one or two people post about it, it can like start something and maybe in Ethiopia that can work because protests will not work. Okay. You did a great job on the peace and conflict questions. So then we're going to go to the food part, which I'm actually very excited for because I love Ethiopian food. What are some of the most popular dishes in Ethiopia? Or like, is there even like a national dish? So like I said, we have three regions, so we cannot have a national dish. Um, we've recently combined, but each region has their own speciality. But now every you can find every food in every region. So we have kitfo which is like my absolute favorite. We have dorowet, which is chicken with like spicy sauce. Then we have kaiwet, which is like the spicy sauce, but with like beef. There's like food like those that are just more popular than others, but I mm-hmm. think every food is like- Could you describe the first dish that you said? Oh, kitfo. It's basically like ground beef that's like cooked. It's not like one patty. It's like tiny little bits, the way you cook it. And then we use like different- butter like Ethiopian butter is not the same as like western butter it has like its own taste like the butter itself like mm-hmm. if you have western butter it's just bland it's like tastes like nothing but the <laughs> Ethiopian butter has something to, like it ta- it has like a taste alone and it has a smell too like you open the jar and you can smell it from like the next room oh so, so is it like ghee yeah. um I don't know what that smells like but well I don't know if I don't know if it smells or not, but like it comes in a jar and like you open it up and then you use it as butter. It's basically like a clarified butter. Spreading like Ethiopian butter on bread and having it like that. No, that's not how you use it. Like you just put it in like stews and stuff. You don't use Ethiopian butter the way you use white people butter. It's just not. <laughs> no. All right then. Good to know. I will never be using butter like <laughs> Okay, so the stew, like the chicken and spicy sauce, I don't, sorry, I don't want to butcher the names. I can't, honestly, I can't describe it better than that. I don't want to butcher the names. So like there was the kitfu, is it? Kitfu. Kitfu, which is the, that was like the tiny, like the ground meat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then the chicken and the beef in like the spicy yeah. sauce. So are they more like stew or like a stew with the meat? Yeah, Just- but it's like thick. It's very thick because it's like you use like tons of onions and then you cook the onion flavor down. Then you add spices and then water to make it feel like liquid, but it's like very, very oniony. They just like cooked it enough to 
make the onion taste disappear. But it's like a thick, thick stew with like chicken and like boiled eggs and stuff inside it. And it's very good. Yeah, that does sound really good. And like, that's pretty common in most stews. It'll be onions and egg and like spices or does it really depend on the region? No, if you say Dorowat in Ethiopia, that's like how people think of it. But then like, obviously it depends on your level of income. So you cannot regularly have chicken and beef if you're like struggling. So people can remove the meat and the stuff and have eggs or like potatoes instead as an alternative. Most of the time, if you hear dorwet, it's with chicken. All right, all right. So it's interesting. You were talking about how different sorts of income. Would you say that the wealthier families in Ethiopia tend to eat more meat and fish and poultry compared to like the people that are not as wealthy? They'll be they'll have more vegetarian dishes? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that because that's just a fact. You cannot like have regular beef and chicken and everything when your income's not that high, especially since like beef is really expensive. You can't buy like portions, you know, anymore. Like you have to buy like a whole cow cow. and not everyone can afford to do that. So it will be like a holiday thing or like special occasion thing, but you won't see it regularly in like lower income houses. But in wealthier houses, you will see it more regularly. Gotcha. And like, what are some of the dishes that people would eat in a household that's not as wealthy? Um, so there's, you have like, what I've said, like, you have dinichwet, which is like stew with potatoes. So dorwet is red. So mm-hmm. obviously spicy red. You can like think, like correlate that in your head. But then dinichwet is not red. It's normally like yellow. I forgot the name of it in English. But the stuff they put in biryani to make it yellow, that's what they Oh, put. curry? Yeah. But I, is that a spice? I think so. <laughs> and then... But I don't know. It, it dyes it yellow and it has a flavor itself. And in an Ethiopian school, I don't know if that's like its actual name in English, but it, it makes it yellow and it's actually nice. There is curry powder. So I think that's what it is that spices it. So what's it called in Amharic? Irt. Irt. Nice. Yeah. Basically, a lot of dishes in Ethiopia, is it like mostly stews? Like I'm hearing a chicken and spicy sauce. That's the dorowat. And then the yeah. and the other dishes, with the yeah. exception of like the, the little ground beef parts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it is a lot of stew. It's a lot of stew in every variation. You'll have lentil stew. You'll have lentil stew is also like a low income food. I love it so much. It's really great. One of my favorites personally. And mm-hmm. so you have lentil stew, you'll have rice stew, then you have there's another thing. I don't know the name in English. Versions of lentil, but they're like yellow. Chickpea? No, we don't eat chickpeas around here. Oh, okay, <laughs> so okay, okay. They're not lentils, but they're beans. Maybe. I don't I don't know the name of it. It's it's, it's all good. good. All stew and it's all good. So then what would you eat with the stew? Would you have it like over rice or over potatoes or or just have the stew by itself with some bread? You have Ethiopian bread into that, like, which is like, oh my God, how do you describe it? It's like- Wait, it's, it's the really soft bread. Yeah. It's like spongy. It's completely fat. And then you like, there's like millions of like holes on the top of it. Yes, I, I had it. Over the summer of 2021, I was in Paris and I went to a refugee food festival. And one of the things that I had was from Ethiopia. And it was the exact type of bread that you were talking about. And it had like yeah. lentils and other different spices, dips, and like some vegetables. Oh my God. I was so happy. It's Honestly, filling though. I would it's say ex- it's an acquired taste. You have to be used to it to like it in general. Like at first it's like weird, but then you would like it the more you eat it. Well, considering that I was in France, maybe the chef, like she was trying to cater to Western taste. So I don't maybe. know if it's supposed to be like super spicy or not, but it wasn't that spicy. Oh, Ethiopian food is spicy. Ethiopian food is <laughs> really spicy. Yeah. I like remember like in primary school, they would like tell you like international day because I'm going to an international school. 
so everyone was supposed to bring food from their own country, from their own culture. And then I would bring my own food. And mm -hmm. I, like for me, it's like mild. Like I'll tell my mom, like, keep the spices low. They're not normal. Like we can't eat like this. So just keep the spices low. And then it would turn into like, who can finish this bowl challenge? Like it, they would not even see as food. And it was like spicy for them, even after we've like turned it down. <laughs> That's crazy. And what was the food that you guys brought? Was it like Dorowat or something? So it's basically like the stew from Dorowat, but then with like injera. So it was not like very stewy, more like solid. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> hey, you're doing a great job describing it. All right. So I guess we should move on to the next question. And you kind of already answered it, but what is your favorite dish? I love kitfu. I love kitfu. Normally you're supposed to eat it with like this like square piece of bread that's different. It's, it's not bread. It's not bread. It's like it's like very dense and you make it using like a banana leaf and then I don't like it. It's it's so bad in my opinion. Oh, okay. I see it. They look like they're like square crackers yeah. almost, but they're like not crackers. They look like they're not pita. crackers. They're like they're not like they're like gray, but then See, when you add like a lot of gelatin to something, it becomes hard, right? Mm -hmm. Like gummy bear hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the texture of it. What? Yeah. That sounds so interesting. I would it try is. that, honestly. But you don't I like it? I don't like it, but if you like it, good for you, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> So favorite dishes, kids food, like absolutely, absolute favorite. Absolutely. Amazing. So do you have like a special dish or family recipe that gives you like good memories? Honestly, there's like, if you alter the recipe a little, it's just wrong. So my, there's no like, <laughs> there's, you can't alter a recipe because then people will be like, oh my God, what is she doing? Oh my God, what is she doing? Because you, you're just doing it wrong. Like there, you can't alter it, but then in this process of like making doorways or something it takes so much time and so much effort so my mom she has like a little hack normally you're supposed to like break the chicken and then just have bones but then my mom she just buys chicken breast and just puts it in and i prefer it that way because you don't really? have to work with the bones and everything and it's better because you can have just like pure chicken it's like wingless bones oh yeah i get that i get exactly boneless wings are just way better than wings with bones exactly <laughs> i mean i like both honestly i just love food <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. but the thing is that like whenever i've cooked like different things that contain bones i usually get more flavor like the bones give more of like a flavor of that animal so See, yeah my my dad himself, he like, if we have a lamb or something, he'll break the bones and eat the marrow. And that's like a normal thing. That, your father is a good man, let me just say. <laughs> I, I never mean, marrow, like bone marrow is so good. I love bone marrow. Really? I yeah. Wow. It's amazing. My dad's the only one in the family who likes it. It's like a normal thing to do in Ethiopia, but I personally don't like it. Oh, okay, okay. This dish, so it was basically families in Ethiopia, they don't change the recipes. You stick to the recipe because if it's a little watery, then then because you're supposed to have a plate, then you roll out the injera onto the plate, then you add the like liquids. So if you're not liquids, like the stews and stuff. So mm -hmm. if you have too much water or something, or if you just like change it up a bit, it will change the injera underneath. So, and if the injera is bad, the whole thing's bad. So oh. you just stick to it. So don't change the recipes. Don't change the recipe. So I guess this next question is kind of not valid. So I said, do you have any family recipes or variations of popular dishes? So definitely See, not. The only thing you can change is like the taste of the butter like the way you make the butter will change the taste of the ethiopian butter so 
that's the only thing you can change because like my dad's side and my mom's side have they make different butters and that's the only difference oh, okay so you can change the butter you can change the the flavor of the butter the that's flavor it. of the butter you can change the flavor yeah. of the butter don't make it yeah, like yeah. western <laughs> butter we don't want yeah, that nothing, nothing else <laughs> okay so what is one dish from ethiopia that if i traveled there i can't miss well actually i'm gonna change the if to when because yeah yeah. yeah, I'm going to change it to when. So yeah. what is one dish from Ethiopia that when I traveled there, like, I can't miss? Obviously, kitfo. Kitfo. And then you should have dorowet. Mm-hmm. And also um, Which is just, like, beef version of dorowet. Um, th- those are my favorites, so you cannot miss, you cannot skip those. All right. And what else do we do? Oh, there's also, like, goman desiga, which is basically kale. I normally do. I don't like kale the way like Western people make it. But then when it's made like in this dish, it's like very flimsy and like really boiled down. And then you add the Ethiopian butter, which saves the dish. And then you have beef in it. And the beef is like made in a pressure cooker. So it's so soft and so tender. And that dish is also like really good. Nice. So basically the kitfu, doroat, the doroat, but with beef, not with chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the name. I forgot. Don't worry. Okay. And then there was the kale stew with beef. It's, that's not a stew. That's not a stew. That's just, oh. that's like a solid. Oh, okay. And what's that one called? That's uh, gomen besiga. Do you want me to spell it out? Gomen besiga. Yeah, I found it. Oh, wow. So it looks like just sauteed kale, honestly, with like meat yeah, in it. Yeah, like it's not like crunchy or anything. It's like very flimsy and dead kale, like dead, dead kale. Not going to lie, that kind of looks like how my family makes kale. So, And when you have the Ethiopian butter, the flavored butter. Yes, so- Ethiopian butter. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like more salty than Western See, butter? It's not salt. I can, it's not salt. It's something else. I don't know what they put in it. I know like maybe like six spices. So it's not one of them. It's, it's not one of them. There's like a distinct taste. I don't know what it is. Okay, so I actually found a recipe for this. I don't know if it seems right or not, but acor- I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Trust well, me. according to this picture, it looks like very, very yellow. It is. It is yellow. It's yellow. It's butter. Well, yeah, but like I don't know why, but here in the U.S., you can find like white butter, and I'm like, what is this? Ooh. Yeah, but like there's white butter and then yellow butter. I always get the yellow butter, specifically this one called Kerrygold because it's like really salty. I don't know if I'm guessing it's not as good as Ethiopian butter. You cannot have Ethiopian butter with this. Right, right. It's only for stews. Only for stews. You have to put it in something. You cannot just... But can you cook it, cook with it? Like if you're going to make eggs or something. But you'd put like, you know, coffee spoons. Teaspoons. Yeah, but the coffee spoons are like half the size of teaspoons. You put like half of that because it's so concentrated. You have to put like a little bit and it goes a long way. The flavor is strong. That's very good to know. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Basically anything with Ethiopian butter makes it better. It's amazing. All right. So what does food mean for Ethiopia? Like, is it really important for your culture? See, as I said, like a lot of the food is nutritious. Like you, you didn't hear me say a lot of things that's like fatty or bad for you besides like the butter. So food is supposed to be nutritious and food is supposed to be like shared because most of the time, like culturally, you're supposed to eat it in like this big thing called like a mesop. Mm-hmm. You can go if you want. But then you, and then you're supposed to add the many like things onto it and just eat it together. You're not supposed to eat like so my family, we never eat lunch alone. 
like we always eat together even if it's not ethiopian food we will eat together because like that's the ethiopian way i guess so that's like kind of bringing in that the fact you know ethiopia is so family oriented like you eat like you eat meals together so do you even eat breakfast and dinner together also or is it like mainly lunch but like in breakfast time we have school then my parents have work so like we can't eat breakfast together but then dinner we're all there we'll have dinner together like it's not like abnormal well you know you were saying that everyone eats together during lunch so do you guys together at lunch well, what about with school? Like, are you able to come back home and eat lunch at home and then go back to school? Or does it change? So school in Qatar ends at 1.30. So I can go home and have lunch. <laughs> you lucky individual. Wow. Yeah, but we start at 7. We start at 7 and then we end at 1.30. Oh, okay. So next question. This is the second to last question. So let's say someone was going to Ethiopia for vacation. Or let's say it was me. I'm coming to Ethiopia for vacation. Where would you recommend me to go? So if if you want to see like historic stuff like, I don't think you're like a historian but like if you want to see the historic stuff I don't recommend you go to the capital because the capital doesn't have that much history it's very new and stuff so I'd go to Aksum, La Libela, and Gondor so I would go to the smaller regions instead of the capital because the capital does not have that much history it's very brand new and the old ones they have like that was where the kings used to live the kings do not live in the Adisawa so they have the king's places, old churches they have. So Ethiopia is mentioned in a lot of Bibles, like in the Bible, in the Quran, and in, in all in many like religions it's mentioned. So if you want to see history, I recommend you go to Dalivera, Gondar, Aksum, those different bits. But then if you want to have fun, if you want to like see a little bit of the culture, see a little bit of nature, then you can come to the capital. We have many parks and everything, and then we have a huge lake called Lake Tana and then that itself is big and you have there's many resort resorts around it and everything so that's something to visit and Ethiopia has a lot of resorts like that's funny to me because like we have many lakes we we don't have any like beaches because we're like surrounded by countries so we have a lot of lakes and then there's resorts so I recommend you go to the resorts and the resorts obviously have western food but then we also have cultural food and everything so if you stay like a few nights at the resorts you get nature you get the food you get to see the culture um and i'm like most of them do like cultural nights so they do ethiopian dances ethiopian clothes and everything and i think you would get a good time at them and then where there's some new parts that have come out with like zoos in it that are like with animals that are specific to ethiopia so we have like i've been recently and they have white lions um, and then the national animals and pretty good man ethiopia sounds so fun just like everywhere like you have to go everywhere also fun fact like scientifically the very first person was found in ethiopia her name's lucy so the first person yeah so evolution wise like humans were discovered like apparently like a few few thousand years ago so when they carbon dated her and stuff they were like oh okay so she's like really close bred to monkeys and humans she's like the transition so you can see more monkey genetics in her than human like normal humans do so they're like okay so she's the first ever human and she's ethiopian wow that i think that is pretty amazing i guess like we can't really say that we're all from ethiopia but that's kind of cool to find that the yeah (laughs) but that's really cool to see how evolution started i think it's i think it's insane 
You can see her bones in the National Museum if you also want to see it. Is that in Addis Ababa or like in a different part? Yeah, Addis Ababa. It's in Addis Ababa. A, the National Museum is Addis Ababa and you'll see her bones and a lot of other Ethiopian stuff. That's super cool. Oh, wait, I forgot one question and then I have the last one. One quick question is how does Ethiopia see the other countries that are like its neighboring countries? Like how do you guys view like Somalia or Kenya, like even Sudan? Okay, so Somalia... Eritrea was Ethiopia a while ago. Like we were one country a while back. So we're basically the same. But then Somalia and stuff um, and Sudan, you can like visually confuse us to like, oh, she could be Ethiopian, but then she's not. Like she's probably Sudanese. But then culture wise, we're very different. We're not at all similar. But then it's like, hey, we're all East Africans. Like, <laughs> but then Kenya, like when you start to go south, that's when we start. I don't know how to explain it, but if I see a person on the street, I can immediately tell if they're Ethiopian or not. They don't even have to speak or anything. But then, really? Yeah, yeah. But when you see like, when I see like Sudanese people, I'm like, is she? Is she not? I'm like confused. But then if they're Ethiopian, I know like super well. Like I know she's Ethiopian. I can tell really easily. And most people can, like if they know me, then they're like, wait, she kind of looks like her. Is she Ethiopian too? <laughs> you can tell. How are you able to tell if somebody is from Ethiopia? Like, is it just like a sixth sense or something? Like, no, like logical reason for it. Just sixth sense. <laughs> That's amazing. Although yeah. it's interesting. I've heard this stereotype. Correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of Ethiopians tend to have like big curly hair or like, I mean, <laughs> I, I know you don't. I know you don't. Yeah. My hair is like naturally, obviously it's not like straight. I have an active lifestyle and I cannot <laughs> tend to my hair every five seconds. I get that. I get so, that. So I have to like have either braids or something which is like really common in Ethiopia. But then yeah, like a lot, you would see people on the street with their like hair out and just natural living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an active person. I cannot have an active <laughs> no. this one. It doesn't work. All right. So now I have the very last question. So okay. imagine you encounter someone who has never heard of Ethiopia in their life. <laughs> they didn't even know it existed. And okay. you can tell them one thing about Ethiopia. If you could tell them one thing, what would you tell them? I would say it's it's a very nature, like, it's a very natural place. It's not a, It's not a place where humans have interfered a lot. Everything is made around the nature to enhance the nature to incorporate the nature so you'll go there honestly you can see stars like i've forgotten what stars look like because Qatar, you cannot see stars but in ethiopia you can see stars there's a lot of trees there's a lot of birds like you will come and you'll feel in touch with nature because every everything is natural yeah that's beautiful and like I can, I can just imagine like you're in ethiopia or like you're in like a national park or something and like maybe there's a sunset or a sunrise it's just... the sunsets are so good here they're so great you'd see like 16 colors in the sky in the sunset really yeah no way that's beautiful that's great. so great i'm always like taking pictures here it's like what, what? look at this look at this every day it's like amazing yeah i mean definitely proof that i have to go to ethiopia one day you have to you have to and i'll be your tour guide if you want yes <laughs> oh my god you'll be such a fun tour guide and then we can eat all the kid food we want and everything yeah. and go to all the resorts by by the lake lake tana yes, yes. oh my god this would be so much go fun to one of the resorts. like i have so many memories at the resort it's so fun it's so cool it's so chill you have to you have to it's a great place. Not at the moment, maybe, but like <laughs> when COVID's over. Well, we've been saying that a lot. So yeah, Mary, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for teaching me more about Ethiopia. Had a blast. How would you say um, thank you for doing this interview with me in Ethiopia? I'm, I'm not an Ethiopian. I just sounded like an American. My bad. <laughs> I'm Harik. <laughs>
Okay. How do you say thank you for doing this interview with me in in Amharic? I meant to say that. Uh, I'm saying gaalo and in Hindi and that's how you say thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need to hear that again. I'm saying gaalo zari zi ndematasalafakatling. Um, How do you just say thank you? I'm a second. I'm a second. Yeah. I'm a second. All right. Mary, I'm a second. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening to my Global Youth's Perspective podcast. My goal is to share insight into the lives and cultures of my friends around the world, and hopefully, we can listen to each other, bridge our differences, and make this world a better place.